Good morning. Hey, uh, if we haven't yet met, I'm looking around. Loads of new people here this morning. Thanks for coming. It's good to, good to see you here. My name, is, um, my name is Matt. I'm part of the leadership team here. I help uh, run a life group with Candice, who is somewhere. And uh, I'm also part of... At the back, did I just see your hand go? I'm here. <laughs> I wasn't hiding. Um, yes, I also, uh, I'm part of the teaching team, which is what I'm doing this morning. So if you have a Bible or, or a phone with a Bible on it, we're going to be... In Mark chapter 9, so if you want to open there, that would be fantastic. Um, But if you're just joining us, I'll just recap what happened last week, because what we're about to read follows on. So, So last week, Jesus goes up a mountain to pray, as he often does, and he takes with him this time... Uh, Peter, James, and John, just three of the disciples, three of the people who have said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and have literally been following him around. And so Jesus goes up the mountain with these three disciples. And it's this incredible experience because for the disciples because Moses and Elijah turn up and, and Jesus is uh, transfigured, transformed before their very eyes and they, they see the unveiling of Jesus' uh, divine majesty. They get a glimpse of it. It's, wow, it's this incredible moment. And then uh, Peter kind of uh, let, runs his mouth off a bit, says, talks too much, and it's, but it, nevertheless, they get, a, they get a glimpse of the, of the Son of God's true majesty. And you might be wondering, well, okay, that's wonderful for those three, but what about the other nine disciples? What, are, what have they been up to whilst this has been taking place? Well, as, uh, we're going to find out in a second, because Jesus, Peter, James, and John are coming back down the mountain, and let's see what they find. Let's read Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes were arguing with them. And immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So to answer that question, what do the disciples and Jesus find when they come back down the mountain? Uh, The answer to that question is they find a bit of a disaster. (laughs) They find a bit of a mess. 
I mean, imagine the scene. You've got the nine disciples there, and there's also this man who has come to them. And the, and the man is in great distress. And the source of all of his anguish is his son. His son is, is deaf and mute because the son is oppressed by an evil spirit that also causes seizures. And so this man has brought his son to the disciples, and as a result, the evil spirit is, is kicking off. And, and despite nine disciples praying and shouting and commanding and binding and loosing and doing all, all nine disciples doing that, nothing has happened. And not only that, nothing has happened very publicly indeed. Mark says that there's a, a, a great crowd around them. And if that's not enough, the scribes are back. It's good to see the scribes again. The scribes are these very religious Jewish people who have who've come down from Jerusalem to see what all the fuss is about with Jesus. And they've been really arguing with Jesus at every, every opportunity they've got. And here they are uh, arguing with the disciples, just laying into the disciples in front of everyone. And we don't know what the, what the, uh, the scribes' main complaint is with the disciples is here. It, it doesn't say in Mark, but, I mean, we can, we can imagine, can't we? We can imagine the, the, the scribes of the Pharisees saying, well, why, disciples, why are you praying for this man and his son? Why, why you're, you're raising their hopes up and nothing is happening. How unloving, how pastorally insensitive, how, how can you do such a thing? And, and all the while, all the while this is going on, the boy is on the floor convulsing, the, the crowd is gawping, and all of the prayers appear to be doing nothing. What a disaster. But the story doesn't end there, and, and it's in what happens next that we, this morning, get to discover, get to see some extremely important things about the nature of faith. The nature of faith. So, and, and this might surprise you, um, but it, I, I think this is true. That in my experience, and I've been around church and around Christians for quite some time, um, that nothing is quite as misunderstood as faith. Faith, I think, gets constantly misunderstood. And the reason that might surprise some of you is that faith is pretty central to the message of the, the, uh, the, the Christian message. Right? The way anyone here gets saved and, and enters into the promises of God is by faith. You know, Ephesians says that it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. Faith. So faith then is the door that we enter in order to enter the kingdom of God. Faith is extremely important. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, will not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in me. So this, this morning, if you believe in Jesus, if you have put your faith that he has died on the cross and risen again, and you have given your life in faith to, to him, congratulations, you're a Christian. You're saved. That's, that's how this works. Faith, then, is more than a little important, since that is the way that any of us become true Christians. You know? this, is, this is foundational stuff. And yet... I'm going to say it again. I think faith is constantly, consistently misunderstood by Christians. Let me, let me, let's go into that. Let's dig into that a little bit. Let's talk, shall we, about some ideas about faith that sound nice or enticing uh, the first time we hear them, but on close inspection uh, may not be terribly sound. And let's do this uh, by picking on uh, inspirational Instagram quotes. 
because I'm in the mood to mock something this morning and I like an easy target. So, um, Holly, can we just bring up this first one? So this is one. Just type in inspirational faith quotes and you'll find something like this. So, mm, a sunset. I'm already inspired. So this one says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. Mm. Inspirational. Motivate. Anyone feeling motivated by that this morning? I'm sure we might have, just out of interest, who's heard this quote before? Some of us, some of us have heard this quote before. Um, I, came, I actually first came across this quote a long time before Instagram ever existed. I remember as a, as a child, we had this family friend, and, and whenever I was, we were around their home, there was this poster that hung on the wall, and I would, I would stare at it for a very long time just wondering... Why do I hate this poster so much? This, this is doing something like a deep level I don't understand, but I'm just like, I don't like. And um, actually, I, I managed to find the um, poster. Holly, can you just um, put the, uh, the poster on? This is, this is the poster. This is an alternative. If the Instagram quote did nothing for you, here we have. It's the same quote, um, and the, but you'll notice there's a cat now. Instead of a sunset, you had a cat, and he's, he's hanging on to some branches, and, he, and the cat says... Um, I don't know if the cat says, but I'm just assuming the cat says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're hanging on to. Yes, oh, we just feel so encouraged this morning, so blessed, and it's nice, and it's fuzzy, until you start to think about that for more than a few seconds. Because as soon as you start to think about it for more than a few seconds, what it has to say about your faith and mine is very alarming indeed. What this poster is saying is that if you have just a little bit of unbelief, just a, a, if, you, if you have a, a little shred of doubt in you, you don't have real faith. You think you have faith. You don't have real faith. You can't fool the cat. The cat sees all. I'm not sure I like the cat anymore. See, none of us reach this cat's standards for what real faith looks like, you know? You know, even in this story, you might think, well, this man, this man and his son, they're in such a desperate situation. Surely, in this situation, all that the man has to hang on to is faith, right? So just imagine that Jesus takes that cat's approach to the man. You know, Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the man, desperate, in in anguish, cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus says, well... As a cat on a poster once said, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. The man is as desperate as you can get, but even he sees, even he sees in himself that he has all sorts of unbelief. He sees he's riddled with unbelief. And the cat would say, nope, not good enough. Not good enough. That's that's not real faith. You've got to believe, really. Just summon it all up. You see this? Okay, let's see the same and I'm going to say it, wrong approach to faith, uh, in another inspirational quote. Um, But this time, not not Instagram, not a cat poster. Let's go to Pinterest, shall we? And I know some of you are thinking, Matt, you don't strike me as someone who goes to Pinterest very much. And actually, that's where you'd be be wrong, because whenever I uh, want a kind of um, very sickly, sweet, inspirational quote to mock in a sermon, that's the first place I go. Is to Pinterest. So this one, uh, can we? Yes, there it is. So different, different one. Uh, it says we can't always see what's to come, but we can trust that faith will light the path. 
And it seems that the, uh, the path that faith lights here is off a waterfall into a ravine. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> see, the, the, problem, the problem with this quote and the previous quote is really that the, the message here is, is trust in faith. Put your trust in faith. It's all about how much faith you have. It's whether you have strong faith this morning or weak faith this morning. It's whether your belief and your conviction, you've managed to find it and summon it up. And it's, that's the thing that's holding you. That's the thing that you're trusting in. And if you don't have strong faith, oh, tough luck. Tough luck, that's it. You're, you're done for, essentially. This is not the Christian view of faith. Faith isn't faith un- unless it's all you're holding on to. Christians, we don't hang on to faith. We hang on to Jesus. Christian faith isn't this kind of fluffy, nice thought, di- directionless, abstract concept. Christian faith is faith in someone. The faith, the belief, the, the deep conviction is anchored in Jesus. You see, this man has, has deeply imperfect faith. He's, he's riddled with unbelief and he knows it. And yet that deeply imperfect faith is in the perfect king. And as a result, the son receives the freedom from spiritual darkness that he so desperately needs. And, and sadly, the focus, the focus even for Christians, when it comes to the subject of faith, can so often be, well, how much do you have? Do you have a lot of faith? Do you have a lot, a lot of faith? Have you, how, are you going to have faith tomorrow? How do you know you're going to have faith tomorrow? Oh dear, you might, you might lose it all. It's, you know, the, the focus in how much faith do you have rather than the focus being in who Jesus is, where the faith is in. I mean, you, you see this here. That, that is not the cultural expectation when it comes to faith. That's not, you see it in films, right? You know, all, the, all those films where you have the main character and the, the, the protagonist has, always has this older mentor figure. You know, uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Harry Potter, the Lion King. There's, there's always the main character and then the main character has this older, wiser mentor who kind of says wise things. And if you're wondering, uh, should, should I be a wiser mentor? Don't, because you get killed at the end of Act 1. Always. Your job is to die in that case. And there's always this moment um, where the, the main character is kind of cradling the older, wiser mental figure, because the mental figure is dying, of course. And, and this, uh, this, the actor's really trying to stretch it out because, you know, he used to be the leader man. He's not anymore. He's only been on screen for 20 minutes. So he's, he's stretching out. And he has this one last bit of wise wisdom to, to get. And often it's about faith, isn't it? And they say something like, it doesn't matter. What do you believe? Just believe in something. And then they die, and that's it. And that's, that, that's how they often, often go. There's always that scene. And it, 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 listen, if, if, and is that really how Christian faith works? It doesn't matter what you have faith in, just have a lot of it. It doesn't matter. Believe, in, believe whatever you like. Believe in utter nonsense, complete rubbish. As long as you have a lot of belief, that's good. That's good. Listen, if, if you're new to church or faith or Jesus this morning, that's not the Christian view of faith. Because in this story, we see this broken man full of imperfect faith, and he gets accepted by Jesus. He cries out, I believe, help my unbelief, and Jesus readily responds with grace. 
It's not strong faith. But it's not about what the, the strength, the amount of faith. It's about the one whom the faith is in. You know, this is why I think that Jesus earlier in the book of Mark says, listen, if, if you've got a mustard seed, a mustard seed-like amount of faith, and you plant that, eventually what's going to happen is there's going to be this big, impressive, substantial tree that's going to be packed, jam-packed with life, and it's going to bring life to many others. just starts from that. You think, well, the, the mustard seed, amount of, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, but it's, it's not about it's not about the amount of faith you, you start with. It's about the one whom is the source of all life. It's him who does that work. Let me show you how this works, in, in, if I may, in, in a parable. Okay? Let's say you've got a, a tall building. It's tall building, and it's on fire. It's an inferno. It's going to burn to the ground at any moment. And there are two people stuck on the top of this burning tower. And they, they know the only way they get to escape is by a rope. They both have this rope. And the first, guy he, the first guy gets up, he gets the rope. He's got full confidence, full faith in the rope. He knows the rope is long enough. He knows the rope's not going to snap. He, he, he has full faith in the rope. And so he very confidently abseils to the bottom and is saved. Wonderful. And the other guy gets the rope. And he is the opposite. He, has no, he doesn't know if the rope's long enough. He doesn't know if the rope's going to hold him. He has next to no faith in the rope. But still, he goes for it. And faultingly, full of fear, he abseils down to the bottom. Who, who gets saved? They both get saved. Why? Because it's not about the amount of faith. It's in what the faith is in. Or for us Christians, who our faith is in. You know, as Christians, oh, thank God, we, we don't have to trust in faith. Because some days my faith is massive, and sometimes my faith is, oh, where's my faith? I left it somewhere here, somewhere around. We don't have to trust in faith, like Pinterest says. We have faith in Jesus. Thank God it's not about us. What this means is, is that if, if you're here this morning, uh, and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're looking in, you're hearing this, and you're going, well, hang on. Maybe the standard isn't as high as I thought maybe i maybe i can believe if it's if it's not about what i do and what i have to bring to the table but instead it's about jesus being very kind to me and offering grace freely if if it's that way around then maybe i can come to jesus yes yes you can you can do that this morning and if and if that is you and you're thinking you know what i i think i want this i, I want i want that that forgiveness, that, that saving, that getting to know God that other people here seem to enjoy. If that's you, come and, come and grab me at the end. I'd love to chat to you and, and pray with you, if, if that is you. See, this is, this is the first thing we, we learn when we read the story about faith. That it doesn't matter how much faith you have. It's all about the one whom the faith is in. The second thing we learn about this about faith in this story is that it matters a lot how much faith you have. Which, uh, if that sounds paradoxical, good, good. I was going, I was going for that. Let me let me explain how the amount of faith that you have does, in fact, matter. So this is what um, we we read earlier. And and when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 
So we see here that there, there were some things, some big things, the, the big miracles, someone being uh, set free, someone being healed, someone being saved even, that are only accessed by prayer. I, I imagine some of us hear that and go, yes, good. Oh, this is the, this is the practical bit of the sermon where, I, yes, I just need to pray. I need to pray a lot more than I do now. I will pray a lot, and that's how, I, that's how miracles happen, I suppose. But hang on a second, because the disciples were praying. Right? They'd been praying. All nine of them had been praying for this boy, and, and nothing happens. You see, the, the, the disciples are still in this baby faith kind of stage, right? They, they get grouped, um, Jesus kind of grouped in with what Jesus says is this kind of faithless generation that Jesus talks about. And they, um, that, that's the second time, by the way, that Jesus has used this sort of language in, in the book of Mark. Earlier, uh, he, he describes the, the world as, as, as an adulterous generation. That's what he describes them, adulterous, that's, that. It's a helpful image, right? Because imagine a, a faithless spouse, faithless, faithless generation, faith, a faithless spouse that the love isn't going where it should go. And, and prayer, the, prayer is the antidote to this. If we, if we approach the prayer in the right way. You know, you can pray in one of two very different ways. You can, you can read this in Mark and go, oh, oh, Jesus, oh dear, Jesus says I need to pray a lot or else nothing will happen. Oh, I guess I've got to pray more. Uh, I've got to pray a lot more. So uh, we go and then we do, oh, I've got to do my 20 minutes in the morning and I've got to pray before meals and I've got to pray for before bed. And we, and we go through the motions in a very mechanical kind of way. I am praying because it's what I should do. And, and over time, it just we, we know there's no joy and it's just a bit miserable and, and it's just uh, it's a hard work. And, and so after a while, because because it's such a miserable experience, we just stop praying. And that makes things a little bit worse, in fact, because we just have this kind of background guilt just making us feel, uh, just making us feel bad. What happens there is it's that all the joy of just being with our Heavenly Father just gets ground out. Or we can pray like Jesus prays. Which, uh, for Jesus, it's just, I, I go up the mountain, I get away from people because I just want to spend time with the Father. I just want to sit in his presence, know that I'm accepted, know that I'm loved, know that I, I can just bring my, my heart before God and know that he's going to change my heart. I'm, I'm just able to read his word and let him speak to me and know that there is such joy just in his presence. That's, that's prayer for Jesus. For us, it's just... That's, that, this is what we get as Christians to experience, that we get to come in and just enjoy that he's there and he's for us. And in doing that, we get reminded of who God is. When we lose sight and get, oh, life is hard. Oh, no, come back to God. Oh, he loves me. He's for me. See, that changes everything. The problem with the first one is just like we can have faith in faith. Faith in summoning up, white-knuckling it, and just got to have lots of belief. We can also end up having faith in prayer. Faith in doing prayer. Because I'm doing prayer, that will make the difference rather than faith in the one that we are praying to. Confident in having prayed because he has heard us. See, going through the motions in that kind of mechanical sort of way, we miss out on discovering the, the character of our God. You know, re- really getting to know him. Really getting to know him. And you might still be thinking, well, Matt, it's, 
it's, what you're saying is it almost it sounds too easy. It sounds too easy. So, sometimes I just feel like I've got so little faith left in the tank. You might find yourself crying out in a similar way to the man cries out and says, oh, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what? Me too. I, I feel like that sometimes. I feel, feel like that probably more often than you think I do because I'm at the front and I've got a microphone and I must know what I'm talking about. Oh dear. Because sometimes I just think, Matt, you, you have faith for salvation and you have faith for this and that and that, but you don't have faith for that. What, how, how is that even possible? We can even be encouraged by the nine disciples here because they're, they're really not full of faith, are they? I just believe here, that here this morning there are people in this room who just want to be strong men and women of faith who hear Jesus say things like he does here where he says Any, anything is possible for one who believes. Kind of this impossibly broad, impossibly broad statement, surely. But I'm sure there's people here who, who want to hear that, read that and respond, okay, okay, Jesus, you say that's the case? Okay, I'm going to believe it. And if that's you this morning, do you, you, you want to know the, the secret to, to having and growing faith? Romans 10, 17 says, says this, says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That just by reading and hearing God's word, just by going to God and spending time in prayer, reading his word, faith rises, faith grows. Even if you're here this morning going, I'm the most faithless person. Ah, but it's not about you, is it? It's not about you. It's about the one whom the faith is in working in you. By his grace, he answers that prayer. Help my unbelief. He does. He will. That when we stop trusting in our own self-summoned faith, it's not good enough anyway, or our own ability to just pray a lot, but instead trust in our Savior, that changes everything. See, the disciples, the nine disciples here who we see in some of their worst moments, they don't stay where they are here. They, they don't stay lacking in faith. And you know what? Jesus is going to lead us, our shepherd is going to lead us on that same adventure. You know, if you, if you go on, by the time we get to the end of uh, the book of Mark, just go on reading the book of Acts. You know, the, the acts of the apostles. We, what, what we see what happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out among believers. Oh, wow, they, they just see some absolutely incredible things. Don't, don't you want to live that kind of life of Holy Spirit-empowered, faith-filled adventure? I know I do. See, one more time. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, since that is exactly what is happening right now, right? You're, you're hearing the word of God. You, you can expect to, to leave this morning with more faith than you came in. And, and if that's the case, that's got, <laughs> that's got nothing to do with me. That's just the Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit has done for hundreds, thousands of years with his believers. What a good God we have that we get to know him, that we truly, truly get to experience time with him and know that he is the one working in us to grow faith, that we may come in this morning and just go, I've got no faith at all. Jesus is here. He's by his Holy Spirit. He wants to work within you, bring you to, to, to maturity, to, to, to fullness, to the, to the finished masterpiece. That's what, that's what he wants for you this morning. 
So we're going to stand. Can I just invite you to stand? Band is going to come back up. We're going to pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that it's, it's not about me. It's not about just how much faith I have, but rather it's about the one whom the faith is in. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear, you, you hear that prayer of, uh, I believe, ah, help my unbelief, and you want to answer that prayer this morning. Father, I pray for anyone in the room who, who doesn't know you. You know, you, they, they hear talk of spending time in the, in the joy of the Father and just knowing that God is for And they say, I don't, anyone here this morning who just says, I don't know what that's like. God, I just ask, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you uh, provoke in them a, a desire that they just find themselves with an appetite to go, I want to know this God, Lord, that they would find to, to perhaps their shock or their horror, goodness, I have faith. I've, I didn't think I was going to ever be able to believe in this, but here I, I want to know this Jesus. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just be working in this room in a hundred different ways? Lord, we love you. We love that we get to know you. We love that we get to be in your presence. Holy Spirit, I just invite you now. Would you come and help faith to rise? Would you impart faith to the people in the room who desperately need it, who are thinking, oh, I need more faith. I, I need more belief. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good.